Last week's offertory. If you guys remember last week what the offertory was, all those loony men yelling um, as people gave. So I like that. That was great. In the month of October, we're looking at the world of labels in which we live. Many of the labels that we wear are attached to us by others or by circumstances. And we looked at that last Sunday in the story of Mephibosheth. This morning we're headed to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And for the next three Sundays, we're going to be in this passage as well as other passages that we'll look at. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And I want you to head over there. Yeah, we'll begin our reading today in verse number 12. 2 Corinthians 10 and verse number 12. For we dare not make ourselves of the number, or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. But they, measuring themselves by themselves, and comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise. But we will not boast of things without our measure, but according to the measure of the rule which God hath distributed to us, a measure to reach even unto you. For we stretch not ourselves beyond our measure, as though we reached not unto you. For we are come as far as to you also in preaching the gospel of Christ, not boasting of things without our measure, that is, of other men's labors, but having hope, when your faith is increased, that we shall be enlarged by you according to our rule abundantly, to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you, and not to boast in another man's line of things, made ready to our hand. But he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. For not he that commendeth himself is approved, but whom the Lord commendeth. Some of the labels that we wear are pinned on us by ourselves. Many of the labels that people wear have been assigned to them by themselves because they live under the illusion that they can fix their acceptance problems by comparing themselves with other people. And so today, let's compare labels. Bow with me in prayer, and then we have a special right after the prayer. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for this passage and the wisdom in it. And I pray that we would understand measurements and comparisons today directly from the word of God, that we would be edified and encouraged to live for you in our lives. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. 
Christ, we're accepted in Him, as we talked about uh, last Sunday. Many of us have interesting thoughts about ourselves, don't we? Uh, we? We often think things about ourselves that are maybe just a little bit stretched, or sometimes we minimize on ourselves. I'm not really that big, or I'm not really that, I won't even say the words. Um, but, but we get these ideas about ourselves. For instance, I'm a conservative, Christian, right-wing, military-backing, tax-hating, family-values American. Which, of course, means that I am correct about politics and that everybody else is wrong. Um, I, I'm a church-going Baptist, which, of course, means I'm correct about religion. Uh, I, I'm an independent, fundamental, Bible-believing, Bible-toting, suit-wearing, sin-hating, hymn-singing, pew-sitting Baptist, which of course means that I'm spiritual, 
right? Because I have all those labels. And it is a world of labels filled with human beings who think very highly of themselves because of the labels that they have pinned on their own lapels. The ones that they've placed on there. And the sad thing is that we've all met people with all the right political labels for whom we have absolutely no respect. We've met people from the right denomination in church who are ungodly. We've met people with a multitude of phrases and badges who are Pharisees, hypocrites, to the core of their hearts. Some of the people we have met are likely the ones that we look at in the mirrors every morning. The passage we read this morning highlights the danger in becoming part of the labeling system. In fact, verse 12 says, We dare not make ourselves of that number. Today I know that God has an important message for every individual in this room, as well as for this church. The heart of our message takes place in the book of Revelation. So if you go over there with me, Revelation chapter 3, the final book in the Bible, Revelation chapter 3. The first chapters of this last book in the Bible have special instructions for seven first century churches. There were seven of them. If you've ever read through the book of Revelation, you'll notice that there are letters given to each one of those churches. Uh, But those special instructions still speak to churches today. And in Revelation 3, verse number 14, we find the special instructions for the church at a town called Laodicea. Now, Laodicea was located in the Lycus River Valley, which is in modern-day Turkey. It was situated between two other important towns, uh, a town called Hierapolis, Tough one to say. Hierapolis. And Hierapolis had a hot springs in their town. And then down right below it, there was another town called Colossae. And there's a book in the Bible called Colossians, written to the people at that town. But in Colossae, there was a pure cold spring that provided water to the entire region, drinking water. Laodicea was right in between them. Laodicea was a wealthy place in the ancient world. It had large banks for holding the gold of its citizens. It was also a fashion destination for first century clothing designers because of the black silky wool that was produced there. Another thing that Laodicea was famous for was the ointments that they produced and sold, especially ointments for the eyes. And with that background, I want to read this special message that God gave to this church. Revelation 3, verse 14. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen. So this is the final word talking here. God. The faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. So you are not Colossae, and you are not Hierapolis. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich, 
and increase with goods and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. We want to break down this special message that God gave to the church at Laodicea today and see it in four parts as a message to this body, to our church here this morning. And so let's see, first of all, the performance reviews. The performance reviews. And if you're following along with the notes in the bulletin, there are blanks provided where you can keep up with the message if you'd like. Have you ever measured how good you are at something by how good someone else is? Uh, A girl might grow up thinking she's a great singer because she sings better than her sister. But when she tries out for a national talent show, she's embarrassed to find out she can't carry a tune. A boy might grow up thinking he is strong because he can beat up his brother or even his sister. It's even worse. But when he tries out for the high school football team, he gets a rude awakening. From the time that we're all part of the number that evaluates comparison, which is very early childhood, um, and we all get this little comparison thing going on. Well, I'm good at this because I'm better than, or uh, I'm qualified at this because I'm better than, and we get a comparison thing going on. I'm better than Jimmy Carter, so I must be a good president. Um, I'm not perfect, but at least I'm better than he is. She's a nice lady, but she's not a Baptist like I am, right? And, and they don't take care of their kids. Man, honey, we're good parents. And, and so compared to him, I'm compassionate. And compared to her, I'm pretty. But they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Now, I brought my one-foot ruler with me here today, and I've especially made this up. Um, This is how I compare myself with others. Um, When I measure Jason Bennett, who's how are you, six foot ten? Six seven? Anybody over six foot, six foot ten to me. Um, But when I measure Jason, I use this special ruler, and what I find out is that Jason is less than three feet tall. He's a short guy, right? When I, in the comparison world, this is the ruler I use on him. Now, I have brought my own special ruler here today. This is my own ruler. This is how I measure myself. And did you know that when I use my own ruler, I am 11 feet tall? 11 feet tall. People. Taller than Goliath. He was only 10 foot 9. So Jason, he's less than 3 feet tall, but I'm 11 feet tall. Now, this changes when I measure accomplishments. When I measure my accomplishments, I use this one. And when I measure your accomplishments, 
I use this one. See, I can make up how good I am at anything by using my own measuring system. And that's what we do. When we measure somebody else at the workplace, eh. When we measure us, mmm. Right, so, so we have a labeling system going on with our rulers, with our measurements, with our comparisons. And sometimes we take it over into our acceptance with God. And we say, I am more accepted by God than that person because I do this or I do that. And we saw last week, it's just completely not true. We are all accepted by God through Jesus Christ and through his love. But we do have measuring systems that we use. Now, when we begin to compare ourselves, when I begin to compare myself to any other human being, I'm making a false measurement. I'm creating my own personal measuring system. Listen, I'm not called to be better than they are. I'm called to be like he is. I'm called to be like Jesus. The church at Laodicea said, hey, we're rich. We have goods. We don't need anything at all. Right, but compared to whom? Compared to the church at Colossae? Or compared to the church at Thyatira? Who told you that you don't need anything? Because God's measurement, we're going to find out, is drastically different from their measurement. In the 21st century, we still face the same issues that this church faced. Churches think that they are successful or used by God based upon comparison or false measurement. And Centennial Baptist Church is just as susceptible to this as any other body of believers. Our church is not special because we have more or less than some other group. Our church isn't special because we do or don't use certain instruments in our singing. Our church isn't special because of the number of services we do or don't have each week. Our church isn't special because of the number of songs or hymns or spiritual songs that we do or don't sing. Our church is not special because of the ministries that we do or don't have. Our church isn't special because of the methods of evangelism we do or don't use. We are special because Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. We are special because of him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. It's the end of Ephesians 3. We're only special because we are the peculiar people of God. We're servants in his kingdom. We're co-laborers with the creator of the universe. He is what makes us special. We're nothing without him. Listen to me. Performance reviews based on comparison with those around you will do you nothing but harm. You're not a good parent because your neighbor's a bad parent. You're not a good wife because your sister got divorced. You're not a good husband because your friend at work got arrested. 
You are measured by God himself. And his measurement is what counts. And you can buy as many packs of labels as you want and write as many terms as you want and put them to your lapel. But that's not who you really are. Your performance review has to be based on his measurement, not yours. Let's look at the painful reality of this. That's the second part of our message in Revelation 3.17. This verse has a harsh reality. Verse 17, because thou sayest, look at these things they said about themselves. Three things. I'm rich, increased with goods, and have need of nothing. And God replied, he said, knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. You have some fantastic labels going, God says, but you are not what you think you are. This church was not what they thought they are. Do you know there are billions of people on the earth today that think because they go to a certain church or they worship a certain way or they have a certain title that they're acceptable to God? And it's just not so. The only thing that makes us acceptable to God is what we found out last Sunday, Jesus Christ. He's the only one who can bring us to God and to reconcile us to the Father. When we allow our accomplishments or labels to become the basis for our confidence, we're on shaky ground. Paul, in the epistles, if you've ever read through this, he, he in one passage says, listen, I'm speaking as a foolish man, but here's what I am. I'm a Pharisee. I'm a Jew. I'm of the stock of Benjamin. And he lists just all these details about who he was in Philippians chapter 3. But that's not who he really was. And I began to list my set of labels here for you today. So I want you to be very impressed. I am a child of Christian parents. I'm a child of people who were in ministry. I grew up in church. The first service I ever attended was when I was less than a week old. Label that. Um, I attended church every time the doors were open. Even when we were on vacation, we had to stop and go to church on Sunday night. So we didn't lose our place in heaven. It's just a joke, people. Um, I attended a Christian preschool. Take that. Uh, I was in a, a participant in Awana at a very early age. I was a Sunday school prize winner on a regular basis. I attended a Christian day school from kindergarten through 12th grade. I went to every junior camp, teen camp, teen retreat, youth conference, and revival meeting that there was. I attended a chapel service every single day in school. I heard literally thousands of messages. Some of them were for, from the Bible. Um, a lot of them, they read a verse and then just yelled at us. Um, that's an aside. But <clears throat> I attended four years of Bible college. Once again, I went to chapel every day. I earned a Bachelor of Arts in Christian education. 
I earned a Bachelor of Science in Theology. I worked in multiple ministries during Bible college. I've been a Christian school teacher, a Christian coach, a church music leader, an assistant pastor, a church planner, a counselor, a Christian husband, a senior pastor, a Christian father. Could I be very sincere with you and tell you that none of my labels make me an authentic disciple of Jesus Christ? Not one of them. If I'm a disciple of Jesus, it's in spite of the labels, not because of the labels. And with that long list of credentials, I am ashamed to say that I have failed my Savior on countless occasions. The reality is painful. Your labels don't make you an authentic disciple of Christ. God knows the true you, the real you, much better than you know you. God saw the works of the Laodicean church, not the labels of the Laodicean church. He said in verse 15, and I underlined it in my Bible because I want to remember, God said, I know thy works. By the way, God sees the works of Centennial Baptist Church too. And he is not impressed by any label we have. He is not impressed by a list of ministries. God is not impressed by our website. He's not impressed by a focus on any type of Bible version or our weekly offering report. He sees the hearts of every individual. And God sees the core, the heart of this church. Who are we really? We say that we care about Him and about souls, but do we really? See, reality is painful. Reality is painful. I get circulars in magazines all the time, and I get a, I get a kick out of guys who have their paper listed for a certain meeting they're going to speak or a national conference that they're going to speak at. And their picture, I look at it, and I'm like, that's not that guy. I just saw him in a meeting. It's not him. You know what it is? It's a picture of him when he was 40. And now he's 65. He doesn't have glasses. He's thin. He's chiseled. He has hair. And you show up at the real meeting. Like, who's that? See, the concept that we have of ourselves is different than who we are really are. And that is a painful reality. I remember when our kids were young, my wife and I thought, goodness gracious, God's been good to us. and He's given us two boys. And we thought, man, we are model parents. Our kids, they do whatever I say. We just snap your fingers and Cody comes in. He eats his Cheerios. He did one time eat dog food. That was embarrassing. But, man, you have these good kids. And then God showed us what we really were, and he gave us Autumn. (laughs) You know what we discovered quickly? We are not good parents. We are miserable failures as human beings. Autumn's a sweet girl. I'm just teasing. But, But we discovered that 
in spite of what we think we are, sometimes we think, man, we're successful at this. You know, there are people who are high school quarterbacks who think they're the best thing known to man, and then they enter NAIA college, and they try out for quarterback, and there's three guys at the tryout who are taller than they are, and there's 18 guys at the tryout who are faster than they are, and there's 17 guys at the tryout who are smarter than they are, and then you get a college quarterback, and man, he's good. He's the best guy in college. He doesn't even get drafted in the NFL. Kellen Moore. I mean, goodness gracious, our labels don't do anything for us at the next level. And when it comes to godliness, there isn't any next level. There's just reality. And yet, many of us live in a false reality, a pretend reality. And this thing is painful. God says, you are not what you think you are. In fact, you're the opposite. And so, he gives them, next, the prescribed remedy. I want to move on in Revelation 3. And see that, I love this, God told them who they really are, but he didn't give up on them. He didn't give up on this church. He offered them help. Do you know the great physician has some important counsel for us as well? Look at verse number 18. He says, I counsel thee. God's counseling them. He's helping them. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. Did you know that all of God's remedies had to do with how their civilization worked? They were a banking center. And he said, listen, if you really want to be rich, come to me. They were a clothing center, and yet he said, you are naked. If you really want to be clothed, come to me. And they produced medicine. And God said, if you really want medicine, come to me. And here it was, right in this passage. God told them they needed the gold that he had to offer. The kind of gold you can buy with no money. I love in Isaiah 55 where God calls out and he says, Ho, everyone that is thirsty, come unto the waters and drink. He that hath no money, let him come. See, faith is free to you. But it cost Jesus everything. Faith, eternal life, believing in God costs you nothing. But it costs him everything. And he says, I'll give you gold. Tried in the fire of faith. You think you're rich, but you need some real gold. All you have now is fool's gold. Look back at chapter. I want you to notice this is very intriguing. As God was speaking a special message to the church at Smyrna, chapter 2. Look what he says in verse 9. He says, I know thy works. He said this to every church. I know thy works and tribulation and poverty. Now look what he says in parentheses. But thou art rich. Now this is God talking. This church thought they were poor. And God said, no, you're rich. Justice Banwell, who's going to be here for our mission banquet, 
he just sent a prayer letter out. He sends one out every month. I don't remember the exact number, but he said, pray for our churches. I think it's 75. I think he said there are 75 of our churches meeting under trees. They don't even have a building. No building whatsoever. If they want to baptize, they have to go to an ocean or they have to baptize in one of the bodies of water that you would not even want to be close to in India. Where they wash their cattle and they do their laundry and they get their water and they have their sewer and everything all in one place. Justice said our people are meeting under trees. You know what? God looks at the heart of a church like that and they may be rich in his eyes. No building. Nothing to speak of, but they're rich. And the church at Smyrna was rich. But the church at Laodicea was poor in God's eyes. God says, you need to be covered by my word, by the blood of my son, by the purity of my spirit. And he tells him, right now you think you're dressed to the nines, but you are naked. Have you ever had that dream? Man, that's a horrible dream. You know what I'm talking about, right? The one where you went out into public and you forgot something pretty important? Your clothes? This has actually happened to some people. Um, There's a website called the People of Walmart. (laughs) Just saying. (laughs) You may not even want to go to it. Um, But it's a a harsh reality. (laughs) Do you know the emperor's new clothes? You probably read it when you were a kid. Of a little book, and it was published in 1837. That story was actually told before that by the Spaniards in the 1300s. But God told the story long before that. In fact, all the way back in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve made themselves clothes, but God could still see everything. God sees everything. You are naked before Him. He sees your real heart. He knows whether or not you have accepted Him by grace through faith. Or if you're relying on your works or your church or the way you sing a song or the way you give in the offering. He knows your works. God sees everything. We've just done a facelift on this room with carpet and chairs, and, and many of you helped with that project, and praise the Lord. Many of you gave to that project, and many of you prayed for that project. But you know, the looks of this room <clears throat> do not show who we are as a church. God, help us that we don't fall under the illusion of thinking that a church is clothed by a building. We need every day, every single day, the clothing of God's grace. And without it, we are naked and wretched. With it, we have the true riches and the true clothing and the true sight that are freely offered by the faithful and true witness of this passage to those who will hear his voice. So there is a remedy, there is a hope, there is a fix for mislabeling. But you may not like what it's going to be. Look at verse 19. Chapter 3. We see the present repentance. Verse number 19. As many as I love, 
I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Go back to chapter 2 again to the special message God gave to the church at Ephesus. Look what he told them. Revelation 2, verse number 5. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and we will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. So God is speaking about repentance. And you say repentance, but, but wait just a second. I'm already forgiven. My sins are covered by the blood of Jesus. And if you have trusted Jesus as your Savior, that is true. Yes, they are. But you could live under labels instead of living under the Spirit. Look at verse number 20 in Revelation 3. You may have heard this verse before. I'll read it to you. Revelation 3, verse number 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Do you know God is standing outside of the church at Laodicea in that verse? God is standing outside of the church that is named after his name, knocking and saying, could I please come in? Here's what I wonder. I wonder if some churches would even notice if God wasn't there. Because it's become such a business it's such a show. It's such a presentation. Listen to me, folks. If God's not here, there's no reason to be here. Let's all go fishing. If God's not here, there's no reason to meet. He is the center of everything that we do. Here's the ironic thing. Incredible, really. They were inside of the Laodicean church thinking that they had everything just right. They didn't need anything. They were rich. They were increased with goods. And God wasn't even there. You know, you can look at some of the most successful churches in numbers, and God's not even there. Some of the nicest buildings, God's not there. Some of the nicest graphics, God's not there. Pianos that cost $100,000, not ours. Connie wishes. God's not even there. The whole key to it is, is God involved in what's happening in the local church? And God is standing outside, knocking. And I wonder, is God in your daily life? Or is he outside knocking, trying to pierce through the stack of labels that you have lined up? You're this, and you're this, and you're this, and that makes you a good Christian. And God's saying, hey, Christian, could I be the center of your life? You say, okay, well, I realize there are some labels I need to lose. I'll get it done soon. Do you know if you've mislabeled your life before God, there's a time you should take care of it? Look to the longest chapter in the Bible. Psalm 119. It's back right in the middle of the Bible. Psalm 119. I want you to notice two little verses in this psalm. 
These verses describe repentance. Psalm 119. As you get there, I want to read two verses. Verse 59 is the first verse we'll read. Look what the psalmist said. I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. I made haste and delayed not to keep thy commandments. These verses describe repentance, turning. Psalmist said, as soon as I figured out I wasn't doing the right thing before God, I turned. I went the other way. I changed my heart, and it resulted in a change of my actions. I don't want you to leave here confused today. There are things that we should stand for as Christ followers. There are labels that we shouldn't be ashamed to take on if they're given to us. Do you know that's what the label Christian comes from? It comes from heathens who label the followers of Jesus. And we shouldn't be ashamed to take on those labels. But when the labels become more important than the Lord, we're in trouble. And I know all over the nation, God bless them, but there are people who their labels have become more important than living for Jesus Christ. That's a sad thing. We don't want to be there. By God's grace, we don't want to be there. I believe that in 2012, God is standing outside the door of heart after heart, and church after church, saying, let me in. I want to commune with you. I want to guide you. I want to give you eternal riches. Can I tell you that God isn't knocking because he needs us? He's knocking because we need him. Can I say that again? God isn't knocking because he needs us. He doesn't need any of us to accomplish his purpose. He's knocking because we need him. And if we don't have him, our lives are empty. If we don't have him, we are nothing. Today it's time to drop the labels. To stop comparing yourself to others and to become like Jesus Christ. I want you to think about, for just a minute, what's the one thing you want to be known for? What's the one thing that if they could say anything about you, what do you want to be known for? If we hold your funeral service this week, and your casket is right here at the front of this room. What is it you want them to think about you? What's the label? That's kind of a sobering thought, isn't it? You know, the only way to receive the label saved or redeemed is through Jesus Christ. Every one of us is labeled sinner. We are all, every one of us, me, you, Every person on the earth. Our sin separates us from God. It's called eternal death. Jesus came just to pay that price. Jesus came and died on a wooden cross to bleed so that his blood could cover my sins and yours. Do you know, he offers that gift of eternal life. And he says, if you want to have eternal life, here it is, it's free. 
What do you have to do to get it? Just receive it. Just accept him into your life. And when you do that, the moment you do that, you get the label that matters most. In fact, the only label that matters, son of God or daughter of God. It's the only one that matters. See, the day that you pass from this earth, the only label that will matter is, are you a child of God? Have you been covered by the blood? Christian, could I ask you this? Is God standing at the door of your heart today and knocking? And saying, hey, I know you call yourself a Christian and you think you're doing fine, but could I come in? Could I run your life? Could I really be your God? I know you say I am all the time, but could I really be? There's a message from this message to this church for us today. Would you bow with me in prayer? As we bow, could I just encourage you for a second? We're going to invite every hearer to respond to the Word of God in just a moment. There's going to be music. If you'd like to come and pray at the altar or pray at your seat or kneel at your seat, you can do it however you want, however God leads you to respond. But could I ask you this? Is God knocking on the door of your heart today? Is, is God saying, would you let me into your life? Could I truly be your Lord and Savior? Maybe you need Jesus in your life and you've never met him personally before. Whatever it is God's laid on your heart, I encourage you to come. Father, would you move in our midst today? I do not know every person in this room, God, but you do. You know every heart. And I know for certain that you are standing at the door of hearts in this room, knocking, saying, could I please come into your life? And to allow you to come in, we're going to have to set aside the labels. We're going to have to set aside who we think we are to become like you. I pray that you'd work in a powerful, mighty way through your spirit. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Would you stand? As you stand, Brother Cole's going to sing, and on the first